to his courts with praise. Uh, oh, I want God's will to be done in this place. Uh, I want his spirit to move. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just lift him up. Uh, you are worthy. Uh, you are awesome in this place, Jesus. Uh, you are ever merciful. You are my father. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's turn to Mark 14. Mark 10, excuse me. Mark 10 and verse 13. Praise the Lord. Mark Mark 10 verse 13 says, and they brought young children to him and that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For as such of, for, um, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Title of this lesson is Looking for the Overlooked. Looking for the Overlooked. I'm rem- about in the middle of prayer, I was contemplating this, this uh, lesson and everything, and I thought of a, I thought of a storybook, Pastor, it was the storybook written by Max Licato, a well-known Christian author, and he had the analogy of some wooden puppets. Uh, this world was made up of wooden puppets, and you know, they were all different kinds of wood. Some were made out of pine, some were made out of alder, some were made out of hickory. And, and one day, it just just how society does, they started separating out into different species of wood. This one's more special than this one. This one's more special and can do certain things more than this one. And and it ended up this little, little hickory, I believe it was made out of, gnarled, gnarled and hard, was at the lowest of the lows. He was about the only one made out of that wood. And the master craftsman, had made him, but it had come it come into society where they were celebrating the uh, the most clear uh, the beach and the and the pine the clear woods and the long and tall just as we see in society today. But it ended up that this person started falling off a bridge, and the only one strong enough was the gnarled hard and knotted person and that that's who was able to save them but i was in that story the little the little gnarled little puppet couldn't understand why he was being overlooked he was being overlooked by all of society he was despised upon he was ridiculed because of who he was and what he was made out of but he went to the master one day. He went to the master craftsman and was in just asking some questions of, why am I this? Why am I made and why am I overlooked? 
And the master craftsman and the carpenter, who we the story was analogizing as Jesus, told the little gnarled puppet, I made you perfectly for who you are. I made you to be just as you are. Because you have strengths. You're the strongest person. You are made of the strongest wood. Nobody else has the qualities that you have. And just as that story ends, knowing that young little puppet, knowing how strong he is and know how special he is, I hope I can do the same today. Praise the Lord. The series overview is it's called Loving the Unloved. We will have to show the great love of Jesus for all people, whether they are overlooked or deemed unimportant, seen as outcasts as a, in society, or even hated and marginalized by others. Just as Jesus loved those others refused to love, we are called to show and share his love without discrimination. This series is to help the highlights and command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. I was thinking about it. I would say, this is just off the top of my head number, 70 to 30% of Jesus' miracles, it may be even more than that, Pastor, happened in the lowest classes. He, he did miracles and everything in the higher classes, and he more, more challenged the higher classes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when he did miracles in the lower classes. He was breaking the society. The G, uh, when Jesus walked on this earth and was in ministry for three full years, he had a purpose. He had a plan, and that plan was to stir up society and to make everyone realize of just how special every single person was. Praise the Lord. Psalms 146, 5 through 9. Let's turn there. This is what the unseen can do. Happy is he that hath God hath the God of Jacob for his help, who his hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea and all that therein, which keepeth truth forever, which ex executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looses the prisoners. The Lord opened the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. We see in this passage where the Lord cares about the hungry. The Lord cares about the overlooked. He commands over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament to take care of the fatherless and the widow. He, he over and over again, he says, the hungry shall be fed. Praise the Lord. So he sees the overlooked. 
So we need Jesus' eyes to see the overlooked as well. How many times have I been guilty? Even, even in a church service. How many times have I been guilty? Even this week, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to count. To see somebody that is struggling physically, spiritually, emotionally, and you can see it in their face, you can see it as they walk. And maybe because that person has the reputation of being a little weird. And maybe because they have the reputation of being just a little off the rocker. If you know what I mean, Pastor, I pass them right by. Even in the church service, even in a big old camp meeting, just as we experienced this past week, even with a great teaching and the, and the Holy Ghost field revival that we experienced this past week, and I got to enjoy every single day. Praise the Lord. I got to enjoy every single day of it. How many times was I guilty? I tried to step out, and I, I wanted to step out, and so many times, and I, I had the opportunity to, too, and I did. But how many people did I miss? How many Josephs that had a dream? Just in the old, as in the Old Testament, Joseph had a dream, but he was overlooked. He was deemed crazy. He went to Egypt and was blessed, and praise the Lord for that, but eventually... He was deemed crazy and an adulterer, and he got thrown into prison by doing nothing but by having a dream. How many times do, and just as, uh, let's see, Brother Michael Orange is, was preaching on Friday morning, and he was talking and going through different Bible stories and saying, we know the end of the story, but they didn't. We know the end of the story of Joseph, but he didn't. In Second Samuel chapter four, we see a story that we see that worked out, but the people in the story didn't know what was going to happen. We see Jonathan's son the son of Saul, David had just become king. David had just become king of Jerusalem and king of Judea and all the king of Israel, but there was someone that needed help. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Second Samuel chapter 4. Praise the Lord. There we go. 2 Samuel 4, verse 4. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the tiding of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled, came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Methibosheth. Chapter 9, I believe. 
Here it is. And David said, Is there any yet that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was the house of Saul, a servant named whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto them, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. The king said, Is there not any of the house of Saul that may show kindness of the God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Macri, and the son and Anamanil and Lobadur. Then the king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Macri, the son of Emil, from Lobadur. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. You have to understand this person was lame from his youth. He was about 40 years old now. He was lame from a toddler. His nurse had picked him up and started running because they had heard that Saul was killed, that his Mephibosheth's grandfather and father was killed in battle. And this, this man had lived in fear all his life because he had heard the stories of his cousins getting killed, not by David, but by other men that were under David that David did not even approve of. But he had heard the stories of his cousins getting killed and his friends getting killed because of his, their connections with Saul. So when he was sent by da- for, uh, for by David and he came into the throne room of David, he was scared to death that his head was just about to get chopped off. Even though he was an overlooked person, even though he was a lame person, he was scared. But David had other plans. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the lands of Saul thy father. And thou shalt eat bread of my table continually. He bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou, should be, thou shouldest look upon such as dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth thought he was a dead dog. Society had told him, People had told him, you are worth nothing. You are worth zilch, zero. You can't work, you can't eat. But he had a father that was important. He had a father that was the king. He may have not been the best king, but I know that you have the best king. You may feel like a dead dog but you are the lineage of a king. You may feel worthless. You may feel overlooked. And there are so many people out in the middle of these woods and everywhere that you go that may feel overlooked, that may feel tired, that may feel like, I can't do this. But they are in the lineage of a king. They are in the lineage of the great I am. Because when they are filled with the Holy Ghost... That's when they can realize, I have purpose. 
God has a plan for me. I can see the children saved. Praise the Lord. I do have a pose a question to you today. Why do you think people are overlooked? Why do you think people are ignored? The children are overlooked often, overlooked. As our first reading of our scriptures, we see that the disciples were upset when the parents brought their children to Jesus. They, they thought they were getting in the way of more important aspects of Jesus' ministry. They thought these people will grow up and then they will become important and then, then they can participate in what God has for them. Brother Story on Friday morning, another sermon on Friday morning, we had about four each morning, praise the Lord. I got preached out, praise the Lord. But he, he was talking about how important revival is and how important your, uh, an adult's responsibility is to be the children, I mean, to be the children's leader. And right in the middle of the message, he brought about 40, I, yeah, 40 at least, from the older people, older kids from the, um, uh, the children's church over on the, in the next door. And he, had, he made such a powerful point of this is why you praise. This is why you worship. This is why you pray continually to make sure that they see you and they know what to do. Because we're not just worshiping for our own good. We're worshiping for the next generation. We're making sure the next generation can hold up and stay in the fight against the devil and stay again and see the children that are overlooked and see the people open our eyes, oh God, because we want to see the overlooked be open. There's a song by one of your favorite artists. Um, I cannot remember it, but it's uh, you've. Heard, I bet a lot of people. Brandon Heath. There you go. Um, there's a song by him. I'm sure a lot of people have heard it. It says, "Give me your eyes for just one second, so I can see. Give me your hands, so I can reach out and touch the brokenhearted. Give me your eyes." so I can see. That's what I want to have this morning. I want to have Jesus' eyes. I want to see the ones that are overlooked. I want to see the ones that are forgotten. Praise the Lord. We'll get it going here in a minute. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The lesson does bring out a lot, and it's so evident of how people treat children. We can see a lot about how they are. Uh, I thought about that a lot as you see someone that will talk ugly or abuse a child. It really speaks to the character of that person. So many times you can see people treat people of their same stature a certain way, but the weaker people, they treat a different way. It's easier to bully someone that is smaller than you are or may not have the same maturity level you do or the same intellect as you do. But that really speaks to the character of that person 
that's doing that to that child. And Jesus took, and he says, Jesus' compassion was especially evident by the way he treated children. His compassion was especially evident by the way he treated children. I know as a father, sometimes children drive you nuts. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes it is a, it is a, it's a lot. Uh, and, and they test your nerves and they test your patience and they test your resolve. But they're still children and there's still a right way to treat them. And there's still some compassion that can be shown there. Even through the frustration, amen, even in all the mistakes, sometimes we forget to think about how we acted when we were that age. Whatever age that might be, uh, that might be 5, 10, 25, 35, 45. We could keep going down the list, right? In Mark 10, when Jesus noticed his disciples were turning children away, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the children come to me and forbid them not. Think about that a moment today as there's all these children and around the feet of the Lord and a lot's happening and there's a lot going on and the disciples are kind of shooing them away and saying we're pretty busy and he said, hold on, skip the disciples and just come straight to me. Because these children teach us a lesson for such is the kingdom of God. Amen, amen. When Jesus ministered to children, he was planting seeds and giving young souls an opportunity to to be part of his internal kingdom Mm -hmm. we should be wise to minister as jesus did he was willing and ready to minister to anyone and to everyone old young green blue it didn't matter what nationality what class didn't matter what gender Man, he broke racial barriers. He broke gender barriers. He didn't worry about class or age barriers. He loved everyone. And it's unique that he put that in the past tense, and it is in the past tense as we look at the Word of God, but he loves everyone. Not only did he show us that example where he loved everyone, but... Today, he loves everyone. It doesn't matter who or what or where or when. He loves everyone. As I looked up the word overlooked, it means not seen, noticed, or considered. There's sometimes in life that I have wanted to be not seen, and I've wanted to be not noticed. But I can't think of a time that I've not wanted to be considered. But he loves everyone. And he considers your feelings. He considers your thoughts. Uh, he considers your plight and your situation and your circumstance, no matter what it is. He loves you. If you feel not appreciated, if you feel not wanted, if you feel not 
considered, you know that's a lie from the devil. Amen. Can I say that again? If you are feeling that way today, that you're not appreciated, uh, that you're not loved, uh, and no one or nothing considers you, can I tell you that's a lie from hell today? Amen. Amen. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows where you're at, and he loves you anyways. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In our story, Jesus warned that if we do not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, we will not get in. That's pretty straightforward today. We all want to go to heaven, and we're all excited about heaven. And boy, I want to go there, and I like talking about heaven, and I like singing about heaven, and I can even do a little shouting about heaven. Amen. Amen. I'm excited about going to heaven. But if I can't humble myself as a little child, I'm not going to get to go. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. That's, that's convicting today. That's challenging this morning. Children tend to be more trusting and less opinionated than adults. Whew, hallelujah. More trusting and less opinionated. They often are more willing to jump in and try something new. They seem, to mer- they seem to be a little bit more open-minded when it comes to believing in mirac- miracles. So if I just hit the highlights there this morning and I've underlined them, more trusting, less opinionated, more willing and open-minded. Where do I fit in all them categories today? Have I humbled myself as a child and said, you know what, God? I'm just going to trust you anyways. I want to figure it out, and I'm good at figuring things out, Lord, but I'm just going to trust you anyways. And while I'm trusting you, Lord, I'm going to keep my opinion to myself. I'm not going to go tell Pastor Moats my opinion on the matter. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And I'm going to be more willing, God, to do whatever it is that I need to do. And, Lord, just open my mind to follow you. Hallelujah, because I want to be and have the faith of a child. Adults learn how to curb many of these attributes. And yes, sometimes caution is in order. But when it comes to our relationships with our Heavenly Father, we must risk trusting and hoping. When it comes to relationship with the King of Kings, we have to take a risk. That's our faith. That's how that is faith. It's saying, God, I don't know where this is going, but I know you've got it, and I'm putting it in your hands. I'm giving you my faith, Lord, uh, because I know you're there for me. We must risk trusting and hoping. As we are careful not to overlook others, we should pause to consider that God does not overlook us. God may be calling some of us who are studying this passage today to climb into his arms and let him love us. Something else I kind of circled there today is God wants to love you and he wants to love me, but I got to let him. Come on, somebody. 
I have to let the Lord love me. He loves you. No matter what, he loves you. But he wants to show me that love. And I have to let him. This is not a, a time and a place to play hard to get. You know, you do that as, as a sparking young couple. Uh, a lot of times the, the lady likes to play kind of elusive and she wants you to pursue her. I don't want you to pursue me, God. I want to pursue you. God, you don't have to do the pursuing, Lord. Let me do the work. I, I'm pursuing you, God. I want to be loved by you. He's going to look for me. If he hadn't looked for me, I wouldn't be here today. Oh, but he called me and he drawn me. But I had to submit myself and say, God, I'm coming back to you. Amen. He wants to love me. Knowing how gracious Jesus was to the outcast and the overlooked and to the children, we can have confidence he wants to minister to you and I as well. So in order to make sure we do not hold God at arm's length and forfeit what he has for us, we must deliberately approach him as a trusting child. God, here I am. I don't want to think about the danger because I want to think about you, God. I just want to trust you. There may be ridicule, but I don't want to think about that, Lord. I just want to think about you. I trust you. There may be persecution, God. I don't want to think about that. I just want to think about you because I trust you. I may have to give up something, Brother Adam, but I don't want to think about that. I just want to think about you, God, because I trust you. I may have to lay something aside, but I don't want to think about that. I just want to think about you, God, because I trust you. Amen. I'm glad to know he loves me. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to love him in return. Praise the Lord. As believers who know Christ and his love on a personal basis, we have a wonderful opportunity to minister to people who feel unimportant and overlooked. We can speak faith in their lives. We can train those who have a heart to minister. We can comfort those who are struggling. We should consider it a privilege and a blessing to minister like Jesus did. But to do so first, we must be sensitive to the plight of those around us. Empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is saying, I know how you're feeling, but empathy is saying, I felt that before. And I've been there before, and I can understand the hurt that you have. And because I can understand that, I want you to know the one that helped me. I want to introduce you to someone that can give you peace beyond that trouble, beyond that situation. I may not have been into your exact situation, and I'm not, I may have not been in that exact circumstance, uh, but I can empathize with you. And I can lead you to someone that can help you. Amen. I can be there for you and direct you back to him. Amen. That's our opportunity to minister. Show that quick clip, Sister Misty.
And in verse 8, he says this, And you will receive power after you have received the Holy Ghost, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jerusalem, that's where they currently were. That wasn't too difficult for them. Judea, that was a surrounding region that also was kind of close to their home. Now, while the uttermost parts of the earth was a little bit farther, that still was pretty attainable for them. But Samaria, there was a reason why Jesus told them to go to Samaria. Jews didn't like Samaria, and they didn't like Samaritans. But Jesus knew that there were people there that had been overlooked by society that needed his message of the gospel. When I was nine years old, my parents planted a church in the inner city of Tampa, Florida, arguably the worst street in the entire city. Now, when we were going there, we were told, well, why would you go there? Why plant a church there? Why do you not go to a better area of town? Why not just go to the suburbs and plant a church? Now, my parents recognized and understood that there were people there on that street who had been overlooked, forgotten, and downtrodden by society, almost like how the Jews treated the Samaritans, who needed the message of Jesus. And so when Jesus told his disciples, not only to go to Samaria, but to be his witnesses into Samaria. He was saying, there are people there who have been forgotten and overlooked who need this message of salvation. And so let that be our desire, that we would go to the people who have been overlooked and forgotten and preach this message and be the witness that Jesus has called us to be. Amen. Amen. I'm glad someone preached to me. In this little remote setting of Weeches, Texas, could be very easily overlooked, very easily forgotten. Folks, we don't even have a store. No post office. Think about it. But God still knows where Weeches is. And God still knows there's people that are hungry. And God still says, you know what, I'm going to send somebody there. I'm going to minister to some people. And I'm not going to overlook them. I'm not going to bypass them. Amen. Amen. Reminds me of a story in the Bible, Luke 14 and 16. It's, it's a certain man that prepares a feast for the community, if you will, and he starts off inviting the normal people. And this one's busy, Brother Adam, and that one's busy getting married, and this one's done bought some ground, and this one's working on a new, some new oxen, and they're all busy, and they can't come to the feast he sends his servant and says, go to the highway and to the hedges. Uh, get down to the lowest of the lows and to the deepest of the deeps and, and compel them to come to the supper today. That's how I feel this morning that somewhere along the way the Lord said, uh, I'm going to send a servant for this old boy and I may have to get down to the highways and the hedges. Uh, I may have to go down deep. Uh, I may have to go where they pump sunshine in. But I'm looking for a young man. I'm looking for a, a, a young a preacher, a young lady. Amen. I'm going to send somebody there. Amen. Because I don't overlook people. And he does love the little children of the world. Uh, praise the Lord today. And he loves you and I. Amen. Each of us who will choose to embrace Jesus' mission will experience abundant life. He promised. And he uses us to bless the lives of those who are forgotten and are overlooked. Each of us who will choose to embrace Jesus' mission, go you into all the world will experience the abundant life he 
promised. Hear me this morning. You want life and you want life abundant? Follow the mission statement. Amen. You want to be blessed above your, your, your cognitive reasoning? Go bless someone else. Amen. You want your family reached? Pastor has, has taught this many times. Go reach somebody else's family. You want, to see, you want to see your lost loved ones come? Go find someone else's lost loved ones and reach them. Amen. If you do it, he does it. He promised. Oh, hallelujah. Go find the overlooked, uh, the outcast, uh, the ones that... Uh, Maybe it's not as clean as you think they ought to be, or they don't do like you. Th- it don't matter to the Lord to go find them uh, and bring them, uh, compel them uh, to come. Uh, amen. And he promised abundant life today. Uh, amen. Looking for the overlooked, uh, brother Jace, you said it this morning. So many times we overlook those, and we 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 ponder on it a day or two later, and we think. Man, I missed my opportunity there. I should have should have done this, or I should have done that, or I should have said this, or I should have said that. The thought is looking for the overlooked. Am I living every day looking? Am I looking for that opportunity? Not thinking about missing it, but am I actually looking for it? Do I do I do I do I carry myself every day with the thought process in my mind? I got a lot to do today, but somewhere along the journey, I'm looking for somebody that's been overlooked. I'm looking for that opportunity. God, if you just happen to crack the door open, I'm going through. I'm looking for the window. I'm looking for the door. I'm looking for the opportunity to witness to someone that has been overlooked. I say again, I'm so glad someone told me. I'm so glad someone spent a little time with me and taught me and showed me and and helped me. Am I looking for that opportunity, looking for the overlooked? Can we stand this morning and just love the Lord today? Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Uh, We give you high praise today. Uh, Worthy are you, Lamb of God. Uh, Lord, I want to be about your business, oh God. Uh, 